0: Language chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond, where we share our enjoyment and experiences of language learning with you. I'm Penny.
1: Hi, I'm Beck. We both live in Australia. We love learning languages, um, and we also love chatting to each other about it.
0: We're definitely not teachers or experts. We're just learners like you, and we love talking to each other about our thoughts and our experiences of learning other languages.
1: So, today we've got a bit of a different kind of episode of Language Chats for you. Um, We actually have a guest with us today. So, without further ado, um, we're going to introduce you to another language lover in Australia who we spoke to recently.
0: Hi, everyone, and and welcome to another episode of Language Chats. Today we have Tavey Baisley joining us. Hi, Tavy. Hi. Welcome to the Language Chats podcast, and you have the honour of being the very first interviewee on Language Chats, which is super exciting. It's my honour.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, well, we're very pleased to have you here. Um, so we've spoken a little bit, um, well, we've met via social media, and we've had a couple of chats in the past, and one of the things I think that really stood out to Beck and I was your interesting background. Um, you're based in Brisbane now, but you grew up in France. That's your nice. mum is Irish and spoke to you as a child in English, and your dad is Cambodian and spoke to you in French, and you grew up um, speaking French. How how was that growing up in in France with with this mixed culture with these two languages? What was it like?
2: Oh well, you can't really know how different your upbringing is really until um, you speak to other people, and as a kid, you're not really aware, so you're. Your um, different upbringing is your norm, so you don't necessarily yes, notice yes. any any difference. But it was quite um, different to have a mum from Ireland, not just any English speaker that are maybe more uh, well represented in expats around the world, especially in Paris, and then dad from Cambodia, which is such a small country. So, yeah. even though there are quite a few Eurasian kids growing up around, the Irish and Cambodian blend was definitely quite unique and um, resulted in lots of questions. So we didn't speak at all Khmer at home. It was all mum's first language, English, dad's second language, French. And then school was in French, daycare, high school, uni, our whole world was French.
0: That's fantastic. And um, so you said you didn't speak any Khmer at home, but was that your dad's first language initially? Yes.
2: Yeah, his first language was Khmer, so Cambodian's native language, and then he learned French from a very early age, from it being an old colony, and then English would be his third language. Oh wow! Okay, great. And have you have you touched on Khmer at all since being being an adult? No, nothing at all. Unfortunately, it's. Not a language I've I was exposed to really growing up. We didn't have any yep. family yep. to um to practice with and mum and dad made the decision quite early on to focus on French and English. Yep. Yep.
0: Oh, that's that's exciting. So if you yeah. if you were looking back, I guess, as your language experiences as a child, um, did you did you struggle in any way with English because you weren't getting that exposure outside of the home? through your schooling or did you feel like you had quite a balanced, I guess, Um, approach to both languages?
2: I still say French was my native tongue. English was secondary. It was, to be honest, a language that we kind of rejected as kids. Poor mum who tried so hard (laughs) to keep it going. She'd speak in English from morning to night and we would answer back in French from morning to night. And only... um, because she was as stubborn as she is, we were lucky enough to be able to build English over time and have it in our back pocket with no effort, really. We never studied it. It was just there when we needed it. So it was, as a kid, not something we embraced at all, but definitely something we're thankful that's, to her for it's now. So interesting. It's so interesting that you say
1: that, because I think that's a very common experience across lots of people who have um, more than one language in their family in their homes as a child where they often reject one um, especially if it's not the language that they're using with their friends at school Um, and then much later in life can you know come to sort of embrace it because actually it is kind of sitting latent there ready to go at another time in their life.
2: Absolutely yeah.
1: Yeah and now so as an because you you now live in
2: Australia. Yes Um, that's right. Are
1: you are you learning another language now at all?
2: i am i'm on my oh this is my shameful confession but i'm on my fourth attempt with spanish um it's the language that keeps getting away so i keep deciding to do it and then it falls aside and then picking up again it's like mechanics have the worst cars i think Uh, teachers don't always make the best learners of languages (laughs) um so i did a little bit in high school and then Ten years ago, a few evening classes before a trip to South America and then some private lessons a couple of years ago. But this year I am aiming to set the A2, so level two exam in Spanish at the end of the year. So. It's fantastic.
1: Happening. It's really good, and also it, there's nothing to be ashamed of in, in coming, coming back to a language that maybe you've uh, attempted out at a few times and started and stopped and started and stopped. I think that's just fine.
0: Story of my life. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. tell me about it.
0: Yeah. Oh. But well, you'll have to keep us posted on how you go with the exam as well.
2: Yes. Like, well, this is me. Everything goes. This is me saying it on the podcast, so I'm going to be held accountable by my own <laughs> admission. <Yes. laughs> hey,
1: you've, you've really committed now. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you taking any classes at the moment? Or are you learning independently?
2: I'm going to. I think I've just reached a level where I've been refreshing my Spanish, and I'm now faced with gaps and lots of questions that I need someone with. A teaching background to um, give me the nudge forwards to really scaffold the next phase. So I think I've refreshed everything I needed to for maybe the A1 level, and now um, level two is going to be all new and up for discovery. So I'm definitely going to be asking for help for that.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, yeah definitely great. interested to hear how you go. You'll have to keep us updated.
2: I will. So
0: as Beck said, you're you're based in, in Brisbane now, and you also run a French language school called French Speak. When did you when did you start French Speak, and tell us a
2: little bit about what what um, your business does? Okay, so yeah, I started French Speak in 2011, so going on eight years now, and it was initially just a venture for me to take a break from my career and give some lessons. I used to always give lessons on the side um, of my full-time work. And I decided, well, why don't I do a bit more of that until I figure out what my next career move will be. And I gave myself six months with a few savings in the bank. And the six months turned into nearly eight years. So it's it's been a really fun adventure. It was just me as a teacher to start with. And then three months later, I was recruiting my first team member. And now we've grown to three here and one at the Sunshine Coast and one in France. So we've got a beautiful team and yeah, it's lots of fun.
1: That's fantastic. Oh, well done. That's really
0: cool. Thank yeah, you.
2: Congratulations.
1: Um, do you So you had already had experience teaching French um, previously in Europe, is that correct?
2: That's right. Yeah. I lived in Ireland and in England and, and before I came to Australia. And I was teaching there. I also taught French in France, actually, for uh, people who were looking to emigrate to France. So still French as a foreign language. And then way back in the day, I used to teach English um, to kids. So mum has a English language school in France, and I was roped in to be one of the teachers pretty early on. My teenage years, <laughs> that was my that was my pocket money.
1: Do you, Do you find it is different teaching Australians compared to teaching Europeans?
2: Um, Good question. I think I didn't realize how many people would be interested in learning from so far away. I always felt English and Irish people can hop on an hour flight and go anywhere in France and practice and that kind of keeps that fire alive. But Australians Love it so. In terms of teaching, no, but the motivation I thought would be quite different and different, and turns out there are just as many francophiles here. So it's been lots of fun.
1: That's great. It's that's really, good for us. Yeah. Good for us to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It definitely, I think French is for sure one of the most popular languages to learn for pleasure in Australia, or at least that's been my experience as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And
0: just anecdotally, you just you you come across a lot of people who've had exposure to French learning, um, either as kids or as adults. And it, it is, it seems to be a very sought after language in Australia, which Mm. is, which is exciting.
1: Yeah. Do you find that a lot of the students who come to you wanting to learn French actually have learnt some previously? So they may have done some at say primary school or at high school, a couple of years here and there, but maybe just the basics, um, and are looking to kind of refresh that?
2: Yeah, a lot have a history with it or the brand new ones because I teach to mainly adults. The brand new ones are people who've had someone significant enter their lives who is French uh, yes. or have entered the French company and then they'll be starting from the very beginning. But the others have um yeah, I admit that can't actually remember how to say much, but there's a few a bit of mm. French floating around. And I've always wanted to rekindle and take that further. So they've usually come to us with a bit of a story there, at least 70% of them.
0: Is there something that you love about teaching French, or is there something that's, I guess, a real standout for you, or that gives you a real buzz around teaching and encouraging your students?
2: Yeah, a couple of things. Um, the first one was quite a selfish reason where I thought, oh, if I leave France, and live overseas for a short time or forever, what if I start losing my French? I always immersed myself in the countries I've been, so I'd be um, definitely the only person, the only French person there. So to connect with my culture and my language, it was always important for me to do, give some French lessons um, all the time, basically keeping one foot at home. And the second one, which is the main one, is I'm quite an extroverted person, I like to talk, and I it just brings me so much joy. It's the most fun job I've ever had, <laughs> um, and yep. to be able to personally motivate um, other adults, it's just, a, it's just a joy, because they are choosing to do it themselves, so they come with a huge appetite to learn, open mind, and uh, it's so fun to share something with them that has huge ripples in so many areas of their lives so they get more confident and each time they get an aha with the language but it just feeds into their outlook on the world and their family life because they're doing something for themselves and so it's just yeah really fun.
0: Do you have any any top tips for your beginner adult French learners? What, do you have any kind of go-to methods or things that you ask your students to do that you could share with all the podcast listeners who might be beginner french learners out
2: there yeah well we've got our own french speak method that i've developed over the years so there's not like a bible book that i go with but there's a few tips i can share with them if that would help sure excellent and um, so one would be to keep your end goal in mind. So if your goal is to converse, don't go down the rabbit hole of spending all your study time reading French or doing grammar exercises, because you'll just get better at those. And, in, and what you need to be doing is paying attention to dialogues and breaking those downs and thinking, if I was asked mm. this question, what would I say? Those kind of things are the ones that will get you to a conversation. So that's tip number one. Yep and the second one is probably to balance what you're absorbing and what you're producing and that's for any language not for french if you uh, think of the absorption being the french that comes in so you're reading and you're listening and that needs to be balanced with the french that goes out so you're writing and you're speaking so if you're a beginner if you've been a beginner for more than a couple of years take a look at what you're focusing on because you could get stuck there by just absorbing more and more but not actually producing the French and using the French you already know so that would probably be my other oh I like that tip
0: yeah that's a it that's a good one yeah I I think
1: I like your first tip as well about making sure that if you are be clear about what your goal is because I think that that's a really um that's something that we've all gotten stuck in at some point in time where we've tried to You you get a bit bogged down in, say, focusing on maybe a complicated element of grammar that intimidates you a little bit. And you kind of go like, oh, I want to I really want to work on this. Um, But in doing that, sometimes you focus almost too much on something that is one small element of the language. And sometimes it isn't always constructive to the rest of your conversational skills, for example, or building sentences um, to only focus on something that, you know, may form not even like five percent of the of the conversational speech that you make
2: yeah yeah it really is and sometimes i see students trying to memorize or recall so much quite in-depth vocabulary or expressions and their pronunciation is the thing that's stopping them from being understood so they're trying to add a hundred new things to their um word bank for one of a better words and they're actually not saying it correctly or clearly enough that french people are going to know what they're saying so they can add 300 but if they're not understood with what they already know it's usually time to go back to the pronunciation and make sure you can say things and be understood from the beginning sure
0: mm.
1: Do you, yeah. is there any particular challenges that you have noticed among learners here? Like anything that's been quite common across, across many of your students?
2: Good question. Mm. How are
0: our accents? How's our pronunciation as Aussies? Do we have like a, a French Aussie twang?
2: <laughs> <Very> <laughs> or we? Pro- yeah. <laughs> There is, I guess, each country I've taught in has a slightly different accent. But when I was in France, I taught like one classroom and it had five or six different languages. So no one sounds the same when they speak French. They're greatly impacted by the teacher they learned from. So if, um, just to take you back a little bit, when I did English at high school, English is a compulsory language. Even if your mum speaks better than, even if you speak better than the teacher, you still have to go to English classes, and within the classroom, we could hear the teachers who the other kids who would speak with an English accent who had only ever heard our teacher speak, who had herself learned from England, versus the ones who had spent summers in the US and would have an American twang. So there's an Australian accent, but it can all be kind of neutralized depending on the teacher and the biggest influence they've had.
1: Yeah, and no, I sure.
2: With pronunciation, with exposure, yeah, the exposure. People do come with a slight complex in Australia about their accents. I think they're often compared to English speakers or American speakers, and perhaps when they travel, they get asked about their own twang. But it, as a friend when they speak French, it doesn't actually impact. As long as they pronounce clearly, it doesn't matter if they're American or Irish or Australian. It really doesn't make a difference as long as they pronounce things
1: clearly. I think that's, the, that's one of the main yeah. things to yeah. oh, oh, that's good. one of the main Let's things to for sort us of overcome, isn't it? It's getting sort of not again bogged down in the idea of being like am i pronouncing this exactly as a, you know as, as a Parisian person might pronounce it, but actually will somebody who understands French understand what i'm saying? Um, and if the accent isn't quite perfect, um, that doesn't really matter.
2: Hmm. Exactly, exactly. Because it's funny, um,
1: so you guys know that I I speak French as well and um, I was – I grew up with teachers who were French predominantly um, and – I was very uh, surprised and somewhat dismayed when I did a semester abroad in Canada um, (laughs) where I was taking three subjects at the time in French. Um, And after probably the first week, I remember sitting at my desk one day and just thinking, I just don't understand what anyone is saying and I thought my French was good (laughs) you know i remember just getting there and just having this moment of being like what am I going to do I'm going to fail all of my subjects um and it didn't actually take as long as you know I thought it might to get used to a different accent but it was quite a sort of an eye-opening moment for me to realize that there isn't the time you know I was I was 19 or something but to really realize there was not one French accent there are many in the same way that there are in English. We have lots of different accents across different places, across different cultures, yeah. across different communities that also live in Australia, for example. Um, there are slightly different accents for, for, you know, different, say, groups of maybe people who have migrated from other countries may have a slightly different accent in English than um, what might be considered to be a standard Australian accent. Um, and, and that is also true for, for French and for many other languages as well.
2: Definitely,
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> it is, and the Canadian one would be a vastly different one to land in. So, if all your French was learned from French-speaking um, and French natives, it it does make it a big, huge leap. I even had on my team in my team um, a beautiful Quebecois teacher who came and worked here for a year, I think, and she would have to slow down when she spoke to us. She knew <laughs> we wouldn't stand a chance if she didn't slow down. She'd have to pre-select nearly what she said so she wouldn't be saying some typical Québécois mm-hmm. expressions because she knew no one would understand them outside and she'd pronunciate things so we'd understand. So it's hard for French people to understand the Québécois accent. It's a very, very strong one.
0: And... I don't know how many other people who are listening at the moment might have seen that you recently in Brizzy hosted the first Language Lovers AU event. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, and to think that you know Brisbane people had a chance to to come along and hang out. With other language lovers, how how was
2: it, Tavi and and what did you guys do for the um for the event? Oh, it was such a brilliant night! Thank you so much for giving me the chance to run it. it I had such a blast. And um, the evening was part of the Spanish Film Festival here in Brisbane. We started with some cocktails, so Spanish themed cocktails, mojitos and cuba libres, and we all got together and, and met each other and we were listening to some Latin, t- Latin tunes and music in the background to get everyone in a bit of a party party mood, so um, really lots of fun. And then we went and watched a movie called Crazy, and it was this hilarious comedy from Argentina. Again, slightly different accents, a bit more of a listening mm-hmm. challenge. It was a very fun movie, and yeah, if you get a chance to watch it, try and catch it. Um we had a great mix of people show show up and I think it did remind me that when I moved to Australia and to Brisbane and um, back thirteen years ago now, um people used to say, Oh you're French, why would you want to live in Brisbane? There's nothing here. You should go to Melbourne really or Sydney. Amazing? There's just no <laughs> culture. They really did. They thought I'd be missing out in terms of culture and being able to host something like this for language lovers in Brisbane 10 years ago would have been very hard to find um, an event and things have just been getting bigger and bigger. We've got a huge Greek festival here. We've got a, a German movie festival, French movie festival, Spanish, Scandinavian, and I'm probably missing a few that I'm not even aware of. We've got a huge, uh, an increasing um, expat community, lots of languages we hear out in the street, but that's changed a lot in the last few years, so it was beautiful to be able to gather these people who all, I guess, have been craving um, for more culture and more similar like-minded people to hang out with for the night, so we had some really great conversations, there were some people who were actively learning a language, some had learned and they are on a break, there were a few language teachers and they were just. Other people who love to travel and learn from other cultures. So it was a beautiful mix. So if anyone who's listening is in Brisbane, please join the next event.
0: Ah oh, sounded so fantastic. I think um Beck, I can speak for you as well that we wanted to teleport oh, ourselves up to, <laughs> up to up to Brizzy did. for that <laughs> night because it looked great. It looked great, really good. Well, thank you so much, Tavy. I mean, that conversation has flown by and we've covered a lot of ground, and I really appreciate you coming on and chatting to
2: us on Language Chats. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Penny and Beck. It's been a pleasure. Merci. Au revoir. Merci. Au revoir. Thank you, Tavy. Bye. Au
0: revoir.
1: (laughs) So, thanks again for joining us on Language Chats. Language Chats is part of a larger project which we started called Language Lovers AU where we're building a community of people who are interested in languages in Australia. You can check out our website and subscribe to our mailing list at languagelovers.com.au.
0: And if you've got a language learning story you'd love to share with us we would love to have you as a guest on the podcast so please get in touch. You can find us on Instagram and on Facebook Um, And please also leave us a review. It helps us um, reach other language lovers who might also enjoy the podcast. Thanks again. See you next time. Bye.